Good morning. Last week, we paused our series and acts to ask what it was to be followers of Jesus in the midst of a crisis. And I encouraged you that in order to be a shining city of God on a hill, in order to be a candle burning brightly in the midst of chaos, we first needed to go back to Jesus ourselves to get our lamps lit by him. I really hope you've been able to make some time this week to spend with him, to be restored and to burn bright in his strength. This week, we're picking up on our journey through the book of Acts again and focusing on Paul changing his ministry completely. We're in Acts chapter 21, so if you've got a Bible nearby, grab it just now. Acts chapter 21, verses 15 to 40. But because it would take about as much time as I have with you today just to read it, I'm going to give you an overview of the passage. So why don't you read along with me as I do? And I encourage you to spend some time reading it more fully this week. Or as I preach, if you get bored. Today's passage then, as briefly as I can, Acts chapter 21. In the lead up to verse 15, Paul has been sharing tearful goodbyes with the church in Ephesus, and then in Caesarea, and making his way to Jerusalem, where the Holy Spirit has told Paul he will be arrested. In verse 17, Paul and company arrived at Jerusalem, and the brothers and sisters received them warmly. Great. The crew go to see James and the church in Jerusalem, and in verse 19, Paul greeted them and reported in detail what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. Verse 20, when they heard this, they praised God. And then they said to Paul, you see, brother, how many thousands of Jews have believed, and all of them are zealous for the law. There's encouragement between the two ministry teams, and they decide to smooth over tensions between the Gentiles and the Jews in this new church of Jesus, so Paul would go to the Jerusalem temple, a gesture of unity. But in verses 27, 28 and 29, some of the Jews at the temple spot Paul and are not happy that he's there. They start a riot. They seize Paul. They start to beat him. Verse 31. The Roman commander stationed in Jerusalem hears what's going on. The army turns up to calm the riot down. And then in verse 33, the commander came up and arrested Paul and ordered him to be bound with two chains. Then he asked who he was and what he had done. We'll come back to this verse, verse 33. Verses 34 to 36, the Romans can't work out what the riot is about. So they take Paul out of there. They get him to the barracks and they try to calm the crowd down that way. On the way in, verse 37, Paul asks permission to speak to the crowd. And after checking that Paul isn't a terrorist leader, in verse 40, the Roman commander allows him to speak. That is our passage for this week. There'll be more on what Paul said next in the next couple of weeks' time, but I think we've got enough to be getting on with for this morning. Keep those Bibles open. We'll be dipping back into a verse or two as we look through this passage together. This is a milestone in the story of the book of Acts. It's certainly a hinge point in the story of Paul's life and work. So far, Paul's model for bringing the kingdom of God into a place has been to prayerfully wander into a town, find the Jewish people, joyfully proclaim that their Messiah has come. He'd explain who Jesus is, tell the story of Jesus' life, his ministry, his death and his resurrection, and how this fulfilled all their prophecies about the Messiah. And for those who received this message, Paul would pray for them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Sometimes the Lord would even throw in a miracle for good measure. Once Paul had met the Jews in town, he'd then go to the non-Jewish townsfolk and tell them that this God was for them too. This message that God wanted to be reconciled to the whole world was what Paul preached so well in his second letter to the church in Corinth, in 2 Corinthians 5, 18-21. Having just explained that anyone who belongs to Christ is a new creation, Paul encourages us that all of this is a gift from God, who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the whole world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. It's a glorious message. And it's the same one that we are made messengers of when we too are made ambassadors for God. And it had been Paul's model. But everything had to change now. No longer did Paul have the freedom to wander into towns and to share this message the same way. No longer did he have the same ability to plant churches, to perform miracles, and to generally bring in the kingdom of God in the way that he had done. From Acts 21, verse 33, for the rest of the book of Acts, Paul is now a prisoner of Rome. Not because he'd done anything wrong, Verse 33 is hilarious. The commander arrested him, bound him, and then said, who are you, by the way, and have you done anything wrong? This was not because Paul had done something wrong. But, nevertheless, he was held captive. From now on, in Acts, Paul operates from within prison. From now on, it's ministry from lockdown. You might have spotted that I think there is something in this passage for us today. Paul's time in prison puts him in front of some powerful people, and Paul takes these opportunities to share this message of reconciliation with them too. But when he's not on trial, Paul is also writing to churches and to church leaders to encourage them, to challenge and build them up, to pastor them even from behind his locked door. We think that from his lockdown, Paul wrote his letters to the Ephesians, the Philippians, the Colossians, to Philemon, to Timothy, and to Titus, which is a fair chunk of the books that make up the New Testament of our Bibles. And Paul didn't even have Wi-Fi. My question for us today is, what does it look like to serve Jesus in lockdown? What does it look like to be an ambassador for God a carrier of his kingdom when face-to-face -face meetings and gatherings aren't possible. I think it looks like being filled with him, as we said last week. And, as many of you are already doing, I think it looks like taking the opportunities we have, through the means we have, to point those around us to the God who wants to be reconciled with them. Or, 
As Paul put it in Colossians 3 verse 23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. I think it looks like taking the opportunities we have. And I also think that it looks like deciding to be a holy people, a purified people even, who abstain from every form of evil, 1 Thessalonians 5.22, even when nobody's watching and the door is locked. A people who take this chance to press in to a close relationship with Jesus and from there shine out of this love and this truth of God in a way that allows those around us wandering in their own spiritually dark fields to see his light and to fall in love with Jesus and his presence, even through us. And I think that serving Jesus in this lockdown can be as creative as you allow Jesus to make you. A friend of mine shared this story with me this week. His housemate had texted a word of knowledge from God to an old friend of theirs who'd long ago drifted from their relationship with God. This word of knowledge passed from one to another and then texted to a long lost friend. This old friend messaged back saying, when I read your word, I felt Jesus return to my life. Jesus is using people locked in their own homes, sat on the sofa in their PJs to send the right words at the right time that give people a chance to meet him. That is a fun challenge for you this week. Take time to ask the Lord for a word for someone, especially someone who doesn't know Jesus, and then send them a message with it. That's a lovely thing that, to receive at any time, but in these times, a message like that can be so powerful. Go on, I lovingly dare you. I honestly believe that the Lord is doing something through this time, that amongst the pain and the uncertainty of this time, people's hearts will turn to him. I honestly believe that if we, Jesus' church, shine out his light in these days, that we will be blown over by how receptive people are to the God that we want to introduce them to. Yes, post your favourite Bible verses on the internet. I love these, by the way. Yes, share stories about what the church is up to, but would you get in touch with people directly too? Give them a chance to know that Jesus is for them personally. There's a lovely little moment in our passage today, verses 37 and 40, where Paul speaks Greek to the Roman commander, which surprises him, and it means that he pays attention. And then in verse 40, Paul speaks Aramaic to the Jewish crowd, which means that they hush up and hear him out. The power of speaking to someone personally, in their own language, is huge. Do keep sharing signposts to Jesus on your Facebook and Instagram accounts, but pray and get in touch with someone personally too. You might feel an absolute muppet. You might feel like a complete fool offering to pray with someone who you know wouldn't normally be interested. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong, 1 Corinthians 1.27. God's in the business of using those who will take a step 
to look foolish for the purpose of showing how great, how mighty, how strong and how wise, but how loving God is. He's in the business of taking risks on even you and me to carry his message that would change someone's life forever. John Wimber had a saying, I'm a fool for Christ, whose fool are you? But the truth is, Jesus is far kinder and far more generous than we are good at strategizing or picking the right time. He loves your friends and family even more than you do. And I believe that he will answer prayers for your loved ones, as we pray for each other's loved ones, listening out for words and pictures and things that the Lord might want to say to them right now. I believe that he will answer prayers as we offer those people an encounter with the God who loved them into being. Why don't we take a moment to adopt a posture of receiving from God, meeting him now. If you're comfortable standing, I invite you to stand as we opt into saying, yes, Lord, use me. Or perhaps just place your arms out. Either way, this is between you and the Lord. I'm going to pray for us just now. Lord Jesus, would you lead us? Lord, would you speak so clearly to us that we can follow you, even in uncertain times? Holy Spirit of God, would you come and fan into flames our love for you, your light within us? Let those around us see the light of your presence in us. Lord, would you send us to the inboxes and DMs of those who you want to reach? Would you speak through us as we handwrite letters that share your love and send them to those in need of you? Lord, would you come into all of our conversations and make us ambassadors of your kingdom? And Father, I ask your blessing and your peace on all of the households represented in our dispersed gathering this morning. Father, for anyone who doesn't know you and for anyone who's even thinking, well, I'll just give this a look and see if, if there's anything in it. Would you take this opportunity to move in our hearts just now? Especially those who are still working out if you're there. Come, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. And we praise you.